Hello, and welcome to the I Hear Design podcast, your source for interior design and architecture news, interviews, and opinions. I'm Chief Content Director Robert Yaminen, and I want to thank you for making us part of your day. It's hard to believe 2021 is drawing to a close already, and as the new year approaches, it's that time when everyone is thinking about making their New Year's resolutions, of course, but also what the next year has in store for the design industry. After a tumultuous two years, I think we can all agree that we hope for smoother sailing ahead in 2022. But in what ways did the pandemic shift the trends that we'll be seeing uh, in the years ahead? To answer that question and others, I invited trend forecaster and design entrepreneur Stacy Garcia, founder of Libatex and several other brands of her namesake, to talk about how to tell the difference between trends and fads, what drivers to look for when identifying the next big thing in design, and what we can expect to see as far as trending colors, patterns, and textures in the coming years. Stacy also talks about the launch of her new wall covering collection with Coraseal and what gives her a sense of optimism as we head into a new year. I think you'll really appreciate Stacy's insights and perspectives on trend forecasting and design. Have a listen. Well, hi, Stacy. It's good to see you again. Thanks for being on the podcast. I think it's, it's been way too long. I know. Great to, great to see you too, Robert. Yeah, yeah. How was, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you guys do anything special to celebrate or did you kind of keep it low key? Yeah, no, it was it was really nice. I actually, uh, my oldest came home from college, so I actually had all four of my babies under one roof, and uh, that was it. Was really awesome. It was nice. And then we're one of those weird families that gets up and runs the five mile turkey trot. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and then I then I wash it down with nonstop eating <laughs> <laughs> for the awesome. next four days. So I, I'm very proud that I accomplished that again this year. I love it. That's great. Turkey trot. I have to look into yeah. that. Do it. If not before, then I'll do it after. Work off some of that. I turkey. know. You know what? You're allowed to walk. You can crawl over the finish line. It doesn't matter. It's actually, it's a it's a local fundraiser here. So we do it every year. Nice. Well, I can't believe we're you know already almost into the holidays and the end of 2021. And speaking of which, it's that time of the year where everybody's thinking not only about their New Year's resolutions, uh, but you know also what's ahead for 2022. And you know, I know you've done a lot of work around trend forecasting uh, with your work at the Color Marketing Group and then also just in, independently as an industry thought leader. So I'm so glad you're here to talk about this topic because, uh, yeah, after the past 18 months, it seems like, you know, everything has changed and it's hard to tell which way is up, you know. And just thinking about the pandemic, obviously no one could have predicted the full impact that this had on on our lives in the past 18 months or so. And so the first question I wanted to ask you really was, in what ways did the pandemic sort of change the way we look at either design as a whole or more specifically like trend forecasting? Like how do you how do you do that when there's so much uncertainty still kind of in the air? For for trend forecasting, you know, one of the things, one of the keys that we look at whenever we're gonna sit down and and try to imagine, you know, or predict what what are the new trends, what do people want to see, what do we want to be surrounded with? The best forecasters look at something called drivers. Mm-hmm. And the drivers are the things behind the trends, right? They're, they're the reasons why trends happen in the first place. So it's one thing to get up and say, wow, gray has been huge for a decade. It's another thing to get up and say, wow, gray has been huge for a decade. Why? And, you know, and, oh, we're predicting green is the next new color story. Why? So a lot of the questions we ask, whether it's color marketing group or, or as you referenced in my own studio, in my own practice, is really honing in on some of the drivers, right? What's moving the needle on things? And so kind of to answer your question and how do you go about forecasting in a pandemic, 
I would say to you, this is a great example of a driver. Right? <laughs> so yeah. I wish I had a better one. I wish it was something fabulous that happened. And I could right. say, oh, you know, what a great driver we had. You know, there was world peace and an end to hunger. And what a fabulous driver that was. Right. Um, rather than saying, okay, well, we're living through a global pandemic. But, you know, when you're a forecaster, you go, sometimes drivers are really subtle. Sometimes they're they're subtle, small things that are happening in the undercurrent. We were talking a little earlier, the idea originally when you flash backwards, again, 10, 12 years ago, sustainability and recycled content, that was just beginning. That was in the undercurrent. Um, sometimes it's larger things, right? Sometimes it's a, a political climate. It could be an election year. Yeah. Sometimes it's environmental and we see things happen, right? Sometimes it's economic. So when you ask where gray came from, you know, well, gray has been around for a decade. Well, we saw gray emerge in 2008 after the crash. And we find when we're forecasting trend over a long period of time, and we look back historically, neutrals and grays become very important in times of economic uncertainty, um, because it feels like it's a safe decision to make, right? You kind of can't go wrong with a good solid neutral and gray hung around a long, long time. So sometimes you have economic drivers like that, as an example. And then, you know, here we are today at the end of 2021, uh, probably 20 months in to a global pandemic. And everybody's life has been altered in some way, shape or form. So and, and it really is a universal global issue. And so when we look at major drivers, major sort of cataclysmic events, big, big drivers that you can't ignore, this is a big, big driver that you can't ignore. And so to your point, it really the pandemic as a whole has had massive impact on trend. Um, some of it has happened very, very quickly. And so, you know, we know things like technology and the, you know, acceptance of technology and sort of the way that we're adapting to it and putting it into use, I think was saying we hyper jumped it by like a decade. So the the way that we've sort of evolved from a tech perspective happened much quicker than it would have if the pandemic didn't happen, if we, we all didn't have to figure out how to adapt to these sort of things that were there, but we didn't need to use, mm -hmm. right? So that, that was a, a major driver and a major trend that happened in the use of tech. Um, but we see it affecting and impacting everything from the colors we want to be surrounded with, the spaces we want to be doing business in or living in, working in, playing in, to the material selection. And so we're, we're really seeing a, a big impact from the pandemic um, and not just a oh, clean environment, although that is one of the mm -hmm. trends that we're forecasting, but many, many other sort of iterations. And this is one massive driver. But of course, there are other drivers as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And even just on that technology piece, I mean, I think prior to the pandemic, I was still you know, doing interviews over the phone, you know, and now it's everything is sort of through Zoom and video interfaces, which is just now it's become the norm, you know, and it's 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 interesting how things have shifted uh, so quickly. Um, but as far as like factors that you take into consideration when looking for the next big thing, like, I mean, how are you how are you identifying or interpreting some of those drivers and how does that sort of translate into um, the trend? How do you get to that from these drivers to the big picture? Like what's coming down the pike? It's a good question. You know, one of the things I talk about when I do talks on trend, when, you know, whether it's at a trade show or virtual event, is to first try to explain to people 
the difference between a fad and a trend. Yeah. And because I have a, many designers who will come to me and say, especially on the residential side, because we're developing product for both commercial under some of our brands and residential under others. Mm-hmm. And the residential designers typically are saying things like, you know, we don't follow the trends. You know, Stacey, I do classic design. You know, right. I do. My design is timeless. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very classic. It's easier, I think, when you're doing hotel renovation. And you kind of go, well, this thing better, you know, be renovated in seven years or they're going to lose a flag. You know, you're on a PIP cycle. Right. In residential, you know, you have a client, they're investing personally. They don't want to change it for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of that. Like I do classic, I do timeless, I don't do trend. And I always explain to them, we all do trend, you know, like it or not, we're all doing trend. So unless you're really going to try to encapsulate Versailles and go hit only antiques in your space and try to do some kind of replica, um, you know, from a time period, good design is going to have some element of trend in it because trend reflects where our brains are today, right? Mm -hmm. It it reflects the things that we're seeing today, how we're feeling, how we're living. And it speaks to that. And so there's a difference between a fad and a trend because a fad is something that comes in very quickly Mm -hmm. and then leaves very quickly. It's, you know, it's something that's in and out really quickly. We see it a lot in fast fashion, right? Like we'll see these looks that come in. I mean, I have, you know, as I said, I have four children. And so my daughter is this great example of, you know, if you want to watch the fads, you sort of watch what an 11 year girl is into, 11 year old girl is into, because they, you know, it's like they have to have these squish mellows right now. And, you know, her room is lined with them and then up, they're not cool anymore. And now they're leaving the building. And so you sort of see how quickly they can cycle through things. Those are fads. And we do see them in interior design as well. Mm-hmm. If you're do, if watching kind of now, I'm, I'm using TikTok a lot. If you want to sort of see what the fad is, go on to TikTok, you'll see it. It's, you know, it's in quick, it's out quick. Right. Um, trends happen over time. So the different, the major difference between a fad and a trend is trend is happening over the course of time. So we'll watch it bubble up. And I always say to people, if you're looking to track a trend or predict a trend, you want to look for the evolution of things that are already in the market, mm-hmm. not a revolution. You're not looking for something completely revolutionary. Revolution is usually an indicator of a fad. Trend is going to bubble up over time and then evolve. It iterates on itself, mm-hmm. especially when you're looking at the world of interiors, mm-hmm. where you're putting investment pieces in, you want to make sure that these things are not going to be out, look dated quickly. I think that's really the fear when you're talking to designers about, you know, wanting to, you know, or hesitating, I would say to say, oh, yes, I follow trend or I'm aware of trend or I use trend as something important to my practice because they're afraid that it's going to look dated. Mm-hmm. I would say the opposite is true. You want to avoid the fads. It's critically important to recognize the trends. And how they're evolving and whether or not they're important to your area um, that you're designing for. And so when we're looking at trends, one of the places that we look at is sort of cross verticals. Are we seeing these, you know, indicators, whether they're color, color palettes, shapes, themes, material stories, are we seeing them in multiple verticals? Are we seeing them not only multiple verticals from the interior side of things? but also in other areas. Like, are they showing up in art? Are they showing up in fashion? Are we seeing them in tech? You know, are there other things that we're, other areas we're seeing them? You know, can we socially listen? Can we sort of put our ear to the ground and follow hashtags and sort of see what people are interested in? What are they talking about? What's important to consumers today? 
And we do so much of that to really try to distill down areas of overlap. And when we see those areas of overlap, that's a pretty good indicator that we're onto a trend. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it seems to reflect too, I think you kind of touched on this, just people's values. So, you know, like what, what we are seeing right now, what we value, what we, you know, are are paying attention to right now. But over, as you said, over time, like I know on the corporate side of things with the open office, uh, like you said, it's evolving. It's, it's, there's now more need for uh, private spaces and, and quiet as opposed to all just open and collaborative, you know, collaborative uh, space. So yeah, that's, that's really interesting. You know, to me, that sounds I mean, like there's a relationship there between trend forecasting and uh, innovation. So how do you, you know, describe that sort of interplay between the two? Sometimes innovation is happening through the sciences, right? Like sometimes innovation is happening through new material creation. But I really believe that most of the time when you're looking to innovate, ultimately you're looking to problem solve. And so whatever it is, whether you're in product development, interior design, you know, the chemistry that creates new substrates or new materials, whatever it is your role is, right? Maybe you're, I mean, I, I meet so many different kinds of people through color marketing group, you know, everyone from the chemicals that go in to make the color um, to the extruders of the yarns to the tile companies, you know, all the way down to the interior designers or the retailers. So you get this complete supply chain when we're looking at things. And I would say the commonality between them is that no matter what, when you're looking to innovate, you're typically looking to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. So you're looking to do something, you know, better, faster, cheaper, more sustainably than existed before. And so you're pushing your limits to problem solve. And one of the things I love and, you know, sort of why I'm so passionate about trend forecasting is I I really believe that when your ear is to the ground and you're hearing what those trends, those upcoming trends are, really what you're listening for is what are the problems that I want solved? Mm -hmm. And whether that's, hey, how do I want to feel? when I'm immersed in my space, or how do I want to feel when I'm sitting in my car, or how do I want to feel when I'm traveling somewhere, right? What's that emotion that I'm trying to tap? But Mm -hmm. also, you know, how do I need to access things today, right? What, how am I living differently today? Or how am I going to live differently in the future? And so that's really what great design is about. It's about sort of tackling those challenges or those problems and coming up with better, uh, new creative and innovative ways to solve those problems and those challenges. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, 2022 is right around the corner, and I'm sure listeners are just, you know, dying to know, uh, you know, what are we going to expect to see in terms of design trends next year and into 2023, I guess, you know, materials, textures, colors, uh, and what might be some of those drivers that are influencing those trends? Yes, that's always what everybody wants to know. I'll tell you, in my studio, we are usually getting two years out from our forecast. So, you know, at this point, we're working on our 2023 forecast and very similar color marketing group just um, had their summit, their international summit. And we went through the global palettes for 2023. So, you know, it is something that we're looking further out. And when you look at the timeline, it makes sense, right? R&D process for us, right, to do research and development on products is usually 12 months minimum. So we're working a year out just to bring product to be able to hang in the showroom at Neocon or to be able to hang in the showroom at, you know, or the trade show at BDMY or roll out mm-hmm. to even start to present. 
um, by the time a designer looks at it, they could be 12 months out, sometimes longer before it ever gets installed into a project, right? There are projects that a new build might not happen for two years. So it's not so crazy to think when we're forecasting, we're forecasting 24 months out because product may not ever be shown, you know, for, for 24 months. So we really do have to have a longer view with trend. Some of the things that we're seeing um, of importance, first 2022, um, key colors, you know, some of the key colors that we're seeing for 2022, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about green. If two of the major paint companies, both Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams, both announcing greens for their color of the year for 2022. That comes from extensive research. Both of them have representatives and a color marketing group um, as part of the membership. They're sitting in on those. And they do just like we do, where they're conducting their own market research. And they're also looking at, you know, what's being sold and what's being swatched and what are consumers looking for. And those are the same consumers that are going to stay in the work environment. They're going to, you know, go into, you know, healthcare environments. They're going to visit their parents in the assisted living, you know, or they may be the ones living in the assisted living. We're all consumers, right? We're the ones who are staying in the hotels um, or sending our kids to the universities. So these are colors that we have to look at as a, a key color palette, you know, for 2022, because it comes from extension research. Where do I think green is coming from? It's definitely for me, the idea of biophilic design. So it's one of our key right. trends that we've been forecasting. It's not, again, we look for evolution, not revolution. So biophilic design has been around. I talked about it probably three years ago at a trend forecast I did at the Boston Design Center. Um, it had a different iteration at that point. We were talking about bringing the indoors, uh, the outdoors in rather through things like living walls. And so we were really talking about indoor air quality. We were talking about using materials, you know, that don't off gas. We were talking about all of these things, right? And then then COVID happens and we're going, right. oh my God, indoor air quality and, you know, how clean yeah. is my air? And we're not just talking about environmental factors. We're talking about, you know, particulates that could get you sick. And right. so, you know, you looked at things like those living walls and bringing plants in and that's evolved too. But when you look to nature, green is a key color in nature. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe that um, that's one of the reasons that green is having its moment. The other thing is when we look at who it plays nicely with in the playground, you know, green and gray are a really beautiful combination. Green and taupe are a beautiful combination. And, you know, green and sand and green and beige. So it happens to be a very flexible color. It works beautifully with blue if you're looking at doing more you know, analogous color palette. And so mm-hmm. when you look at what was trending prior, and I'm looking at stats from all of our partners and all of the sampling that we're seeing in the marketplace, um, gray and blue had been the top two uh, for the last minimum three to four years. Right. Gray and blue, gray and blue. And so when you look at sort of what works well with that as a, a transition, green is a really important color. So that's kind of one of the the things that I want to call out. The other color that I'm seeing is I'm seeing sort of clay be a new color, a new accent color. Mm -hmm. Um, It's warm, it's earthy, and it speaks to another one of our trends that we're forecasting. Again, looking at uh, nature as a major source of inspiration for us right now. And it's a trend that we're calling unearthed. And it's the idea of not just looking to the forest and the trees, but also starting to look more at the adobe colors, the the colors of the canyons, the colors of the beautiful sunsets, and sort of 
almost this powdery like, you know, sort of like the dust powdered mineral tones. And so we're starting to see colors like clay and then a whole palette built out around those earthy mineral tones as well. And so incorporating things that look more um, terracotta-like, whether it's in the tiles, whether it's in your natural palettes, um, your surface materials, but also the, the idea of beautiful slabs, so beautiful stones, beautiful slabs, these sort of looking to the earth for more one-of-a-kind pieces mm-hmm. and taking those elements that become architectural features within your interior space, whether it's used on a wall, whether it's used on a, a countertop or a surface, and really having those become your moment. It becomes the art. And you, they, you can't replicate it. It's, you know, it's one, it was cut from the earth and you get the only piece. And so I think there's this idea of, it's more precious, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. something that it is more precious. It's something really beautiful. And it's something that we can't replicate no matter how hard we try. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, you're right. Biophilia has been for years now, right? And then you just wonder, well, how long will it continue? But like you said, it evolves over time. So it's bound to be with us for, for quite a while. And I think, I mean, through the pandemic, people really reconnected back to the outdoors uh, and, and realized how much it good it can do for our, you know, our psyches. And uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So, you know, I know you've done a lot of work in the hospitality industry, Stacey. Um, do you see any trends that are unique to that vertical market that we're going to be seeing in the next year or two? I do. And it's really exciting time because, you know, the, the hospitality industry has had a rough patch from the pandemic and from people pausing travel. And it's really starting to bubble up again. And it's really starting to come back in terms of refresh and, you know, renewing the spaces and getting them prepared to receive guests again. One of the big trends that we're forecasting, we're calling the blazing 20s. And so it's something that I think, you know, in 2019, we were all excited that it was going to be 2020 and, you know, the 20s were coming. <laughs> and I remember sitting in on, you know, a, a lecture about 2020 vision at the time. And I think everybody went into it really excited, right? I'm going to have clarity. I'm going to have 2020 vision. And of course, that didn't happen. And, you know, we sort of know that our 2020 vision um we were given something different, something unexpected, and hopefully something that we all still gained something from. You know, I, I think I used to joke with my aunt where she was like, let's not waste a good pandemic. You know, let's mm-hmm. make sure that we sort of reset. Let, let's take this opportunity to reset ourselves and, and reprioritize what's important. But one of the trends that we're seeing for hospitality is this idea of the blazing 20s. So just like the roaring 20s, you had this buildup from prohibition, you had this buildup from the Great Depression of people just needing to get out and needing to party and mm-hmm. needing to let their hemlines down. You know, you had that whole flapper um, situation going on and and parties and just a lot of fun. All that vision we're seeing really start to bubble up in, in the world of hospitality. And we're seeing it really through this resurgence of Art Deco inspired design. And so it's colorful, it's fun, there's pattern, we're seeing it in curved furniture, we're seeing it in fluted walls, we're seeing some of these trends that are going to absolutely cross over into the commercial markets too, whether it's corporate or higher ed, you're seeing some of these architectural details that are very much inspired by the 1920s start to be reinvented into the 2020s. And so I really think, you know, the next portion of this decade 
we should buckle our seatbelts because there's going to be a lot of room for a lot of fun, bright color, fun pattern, fun design, and -hmm. really just letting our hair down again. You know, really just having the opportunity to, to transform with design and to really create fantasy world for people again. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit, Stacey, and uh, I know you you recently launched a new collection with Coraseal, and I want to give you the opportunity to talk about that a little bit, maybe some of the inspiration behind that or how some of these trends and forecasting uh, played into that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it is interesting that I had this opportunity to work with Coraseal and to bring something a little different to the market than what we've been known for. So for over 20 years, I've been designing product under my blue label. It's Stacy Garcia blue label design. And that brand has always been known for the trend forecasting. So the blue label brand was really about color. It's about pattern. And it's about being ahead of the trends, forecasting the trends. And that's the brand that people uh, in the industry know and, and are used to seeing in their libraries. And that brand is still running strong. We have great partners there. And, you know, it's it, we're continuing to launch some great product. And we're actually working on a, a refresh, a brand refresh for that um, coming out next year. But the opportunity that I had with Coraseal was unique because we came to market with a new brand, a newer brand called Stacey Garcia New York mm-hmm. or SGNY. And the SGNY brand was a more personal narrative. And it was really fun to have the opportunity to work with a group like Corsio, who is really one of the leaders in the marketplace in commercial quality wall covering. They're one of the few who, or if not the only, who both manufacture their own product and then have a direct to market sales force that are selling it. And they really allowed me running room and space to create this collection and to create this narrative that was a much more personal narrative. And so the collection really is influenced by and inspired by the sights and sounds and textures of New York City. And New York is five boroughs. A lot of people think of New York City as Manhattan, but -hmm. New York really is five very different and very distinct boroughs. And each one of them has a different personality. And I actually grew up, a lot of people don't know this, but I grew up in Queens, which is one of the boroughs of New York. And so as a kid, I went to public school in in the city and, you know, we played in the yard that had no grass, you know, it was this concrete Mm -hmm. jungle. And, but we would go on field trips to the Museum of Natural History. And my parents would take us to the Botanical Gardens and the Bronx Zoo. And you really have so much of this cultural influence that inspires your upbringing. And, and it's where, you know, we, we really grew up and it's, I I still live right outside of Manhattan. It's where we raise our children. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed me this opportunity to really bring a little bit more of a personal narrative to my work. And, and with this relationship with Corsiel, be able to bring things. One of the patterns, one of my favorites is called Brushwick, which is a play on the area in Brooklyn, which is called Bushwick. Mm-hmm. And Bushwick in the city is known for its graffiti art. It's known for these big murals on the side of buildings, like really cool art scene that's happening there. And I have a lot of friends who are artists who have studios in that neighborhood. And so really going out and sort of photographing and capturing some of that graffiti and the texture, bringing it back to our studio and being able to create some of this patterning. And so that's, you know, one of the patterns called Brushwick is about that. 
Yeah. Um, but each piece is very unique and each piece is very different. And, and each one really has a different story. Right, right. How many patterns and, and colors are available in the, in the entire collection? Oh, gosh. I want to say we launched with uh, six designs and multiple colors in each. So some of them have 15, some of them have eight, you know, really sort of depended on each pattern. Okay. Yeah. But there's more to come. I mean, we're going to be developing product over the course of years together, really developing out the ethos of this brand, but really trying to give the market, you know, just something different um, and, and create product that is distinctly different than what they would find in our blue label brand. Sure, sure. So where can listeners go to uh, check out the new collection? So they can go to coreseal.com and um, all of the product is there, all the spec information is there, and they can order samples there or their Coreseal rep. Um, and the product is also available on Material Bay. Okay, perfect. Well, just to kind of uh, wrap up our conversation, Stacey, you know, uh, we've all kind of come out of out of a you know challenging couple of years here. What gives you a sense of optimism or hope about you know the years ahead? I mean, we've been talking about forecasting. I mean, what 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 is the bright spot uh, in the future for you? I I think you know there's never lack for creativity, right? I, I feel really blessed to work in an industry that I, my customers are talented and creative and professionals. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always inspired by the design process. Um, early on, our company tagline was inspiration through collaboration, because I would come home and talk about, you know, these great designers that I got to work with today, or you know, this, this great firm or these great manufacturers. And so I'm, I'm always constantly inspired by the creative process. Mm -hmm. But I really, I, I look forward to seeing what we come up with, sort of what our spaces look like, how we prioritize things going forward as consumers, the way we're going to live, work and play in the future, the way we're going to travel in the future. And I do think that, you know, the pandemic, that sort of the bright side of, of what's coming out of this is we had a time to reset, you know, in, in a digital world like we live in, we're all moving so fast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes you you do have to take that moment to sort of, you know, I guess it's a Ferris Bueller quote, right? Like, you have to, <laughs> like, take take the day, right? Like, lift your head up and, and just really yeah. look around and, and enjoy the day. You know, sometimes you have to actually live a little bit. Yeah, and I yeah. do think that, you know, if, if nothing else that came out of this last almost two years, it was this opportunity for a reset you know, to, to take pause, to take stock and to really decide what's important to us. And I really believe that we're going to, I think, hit a renaissance in design. I, I see it coming. I think there's going to be a renaissance in design. I think there's going to be new innovation, new creativity, new materials, new colors, new spaces. And then when you integrate with that, the new technologies that, that are happening, it's, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, I'm so excited to see what it's going to look like in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Me too. And that's that's so well said, Stacey. And uh, um, I think the Ferris Bueller quote was, uh, uh, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss it, right? <laughs> so. Exactly. Amen to that. It's really funny. So for Hanukkah, I actually bought one of my sons a Save Ferris t-shirt. So <laughs> that's still one of the iconic characters. And yeah. uh, yes, very well said. Perfect way to end. <laughs> that, that might that might have to be a Christmas gift for one of my nephews or something. So <laughs> exactly. Love it. Love it. Anyway, 
Well, Stacey, it's always great having you on the podcast and chatting with you. And thanks for sharing your insights on trend forecasting with us today and on the new collection, which, uh, yeah, congratulations, by the way. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Robert. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you and all of our listeners today. Absolutely. Let's do it again soon. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and please reach out to us and let us know what trends you're anticipating next year or what topics you'd like for us to cover or guests you'd like for us to have on the show. Send us an email at IHearDesignPodcast at gmail.com and share your thoughts with us. Thanks again. And as always, be well, everyone.